The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. This is your cell. This is your bunk. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio, live from the Cofield Oil and Propane Studios. Here's attorney Bill Amadeo. All right, we are live. Sweet. Okay. I am Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo, Babel and Associates, and Shiawassee 6. Six. They want to hear about the Storm of O2. You know that, right? Live audience wants to hear about it. I mean, hold on. Volume good? Good. All right. So, been dealing with the flu, um, cold, something like that, I don't know. What the hell did I have? It wasn't good. Um, little out of it. First real hardcore day back to work. And I was grinding away the day, and I was getting text messages about the storms and all that. My good friend Mike, Mike McCotney, Mike, you asked for this one, so I'm going to give it to you. About the storm of O2. You know, as you're sick in bed, you get these weird stories, these weird things come back to you, these weird memories. And these memories are crazy. And I gotta wonder, does that make me normal, or does that make me insane? That I played such a role in these things, but... You know, you're watching movies, right? Teen Wolf. What the hell was that? I loved Teen Wolf as a kid. Somebody's 80s movies, you gotta start picking them apart. Alright, so... We'll get to the storm. We'll, we'll believe it, we'll get there. But what about Teen Wolf? Scott Howard. Michael J. Fox. He's playing basketball in Nebraska. And he's playing on this team. And... He's not very good, but he's a starter on the team. And his dad owns the hardware store. And, uh... He ends up being a... He's a werewolf. And when he becomes a wolf, which is a family trait, by the way, that his father never told him about, Hey, son. You become a wolf one day. It's just family. What the hell? So... He's this badass basketball player. And he's hooking up with Mick's girl. Mick is like this 27-year-old guy that plays the opposing team. And I gotta tell you, I never saw so many white guys on the basketball court. I don't know where they were playing in Nebraska, but Mick, I gotta tell you, bro, a 27-year-old 6'5 white guy may not have been really D1 material. Just weird. This guy becomes a wolf, and his boy Styles markets him. Chubby's on the team, and they made enough money on this film to make a Teen Wolf 2 where Scott's cousin, who's also a wolf, gets a boxing scholarship. Wait for it. A boxing scholarship to a Division I school. And Chubby by Mark Holton? Ugh. I don't get it, guys. I got cut from college baseball. Chubby is an integral part of the basketball team, then he's a D1 boxer. Yeah, I love it. Anyway. 
bullshit. Let's get to the storm. All right, let's kick it back to 2002, 20 years ago. I am... Oh, God. I'm a cocky young kid, and all I want to do is get into law school, and I can't do it at this point. So I think I'm some big deal with the union. I'm this shop steward, and um, I'm religious. You imagine that. And I'm a bartender. And I had a very serious girlfriend that nobody knew about. And we broke up. And here's why I didn't know about it. In Jersey, especially in the casinos, when you were dating someone in the casinos, <laughs> people were going to destroy the relationship. They just weren't. Nobody could stand to see anybody happy. I'm so glad that's so different with lawyers. Anyway. I break up with her. And the storm hits. And she's talking to other guys in front of me. A quick funny story there. One of my closest friends, who's no longer a friend, he tells me about him and my ex when I went to law school. Now, we broke up in 2002. It was one of those situations where, you know, you break up, you get back together, you break up, you get back together. I always say, like, a breakup is like pushing over a soda machine. You know, finally, like, the fourth time, ugh, it just goes over. But, you know, before that, being an idiot, you get a call, or today you get a text, like, oh, let's get back together. You know, she was nuts. No, that's not the story that we're going to get into, but she was crazy, and she was really mad I went off to law school. So she ends up hooking up one of my best friends in the casino, and I knew it was going to happen. And he calls me when I'm studying for my first term finals, and he's crying on the phone. It was weird because he was a tough guy, but he was also really a wimp. <laughs> B, I need you to know something. Me and her hooked up. Like, okay, dude, listen, stop. I got this asshole named Norman Fell for Krim Law. Charles Potter wants sentences done in four words or less. I don't know what the hell John Taylor's talking about in contracts. I don't want to fail out and come back to Jersey. I, I don't care. I hope you guys had a great time. And he won't let it go. He's telling me how they hooked up and he needs to get off his chest. And all I'm thinking to myself is, is this what people think when they go to the police? Like, confessing would be a good idea? Okay, dude, you hooked up with her. Congrats. Go away. And then I got pissed off and I said something very hurtful to him. I said to him, I kind of thought you were hooking up with her by the time I went to the Ohio border. He didn't get the joke. Anyway, her and I broke up and a storm comes. And it is a horrible storm by Jersey standards. By Michigan standards, it would be like a slate dusting. But by Jersey standards, holy shit. We're shutting things down, man. And I'm living on a condo on Montpelier Avenue, which is one block away from Tropicana. Now, let me explain this condo to you. It was this big. I think I've had broom closets that are bigger than that condo. But the location was awesome. And you're a young guy. You got your own condo. It's on the beach. Here's the storm. And let me tell you, you're right on the ocean, and it was cold as hell. So the snow's coming down. They're freaking out in Jersey. What do we do? I don't know. And I said, 
Well, I could work extra shifts. I live a block away. No big deal. There was this really, really pretty woman. And she was looking for a place to stay. And when I saw Mike's comment about be careful with the storm because you don't know who you're going to stay with. Holy shit! Whoa. Wait for it. I am cocky and I'm frustrated. I'm coming off a breakup. And I'm not getting to law school. And I'm just, you know, like man whore time, right? So I go up to her old brazen. and hey, you know what? My condo's a block away. You could stay there till the storm's over. And she's like, really? And she's all giddy and excited. I could stay at this condo. And I'm thinking I'm on top of the world, right? Okay. First lesson for the kids at home. Before you decide to stay with someone for at least 48 hours, you need to do a little vetting. Let's make sure, number one, they're not psychotic. Number two, if they have a drinking problem, make sure there's enough liquor to sustain those 48 hours. Be careful with cash. Don't have matches around. These are things I want you to learn from my mistakes. So, I tell her point blank, you can stay at my place. And she's feeling me. Like, alright, she's going to stay. One of our supervisors goes up to her. And she goes, no, you can't stay with him. He's a player, don't stay with him. Well, this aroused her even more. This other guy comes up to me. Now, I didn't know him that well. But he says to me, look, I dated her for two years. Okay. Are you still dating her? No. And this guy's like shaking, right? Now, the funny thing about him, I didn't know him that well. But when I first seen him around, he was in good shape. He was funny. He was this. He was that. And this poor guy like deteriorated. I just thought he was sick or something. But it turns out his relationship with her like drug him down. You ever know that person... That was like good looking and funny and outgoing and they get with this other girl or guy and they just become like psychotic and unattractive and they hate life. Well, that was him. And he's telling me, he goes, I'm telling you, you don't know me and you probably think it's a point for me to get back with her, but don't let her stay at your condo. Now, here was the first red flag. And when I say red flag, it's like a Soviet flag in 1985, okay? How the hell did he know that she was going to stay at my condo? Now, this is 2002. It was like Texmania, yeah, okay? She told a lot of people, hey, I'm staying at B's condo. Now, eh, what do I give a shit? I'm single, right? Now, we get to the condo. And let me just say, of the 48 hours we were stuck in this condo the first two hours were fantastic she was funny she was engaging and then just like a movie that jumps the shark yeah. huh so what happened you might ask well didn't have a lot of money back then and i'm not a drinker but you're entertaining females 
you gotta have some liquor around, right? So, I had a bottle of Beef Eater Gin. And I had a box of Zinfandel. Because we all know the best wine comes in a box, right? Get the joke there. Man, she drank the Zinfandel. Like, it was water. And at the end of the Zinfandel box, there's like this silver thing. And like, she's trying to suck out the last bit. I'm thinking, holy shit. Now, I don't know how many glasses are in the Zinfandel box, but... It was concerning she drowned it. She says to me, do you have any other liquor? I'm thinking to myself, how is she standing straight right now? Like, well, I got this. She goes, I don't like gin. Goes, well, I got this beef eater gin. She didn't like the gin. I understand, so you shouldn't drink it. Can we get more liquor somewhere? Well, here's a storm. And you just drank the equivalent of 10 glasses of Zinfandel. I don't think there's any more liquor right now. So she starts going through my refrigerator. Now, my refrigerator was this big, okay? It was a tiny little fridge. And she's like looking in there, looking for is there liquor anywhere. And she goes, ah, oh, damn it, give me the gin. Like, you say don't like gin. She takes the gin in a cup and she just starts drinking like it's water. Now, as she gets really drunk, she wasn't one of those fun people when they drank, right? The ones that are laughing and touching your arm, ah, ha, ha, you're so funny. She starts telling all the flaws in you. You know. Now, I'm 25. I'm not getting to law school. And she did a little vetting on me. So as she downs the first cup of beef eater, after sucking down the box of wine... She starts saying to me, so do you think you'll ever get to law school? Because if you do, I want to come with you. I'm like, huh. She goes, but you might not make it. So what's this union thing? So she's like, like went through my resume or something. Very insulting. She told me, you know, you're really a cute guy, but it's too bad you don't have much hair. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Look at the time. It was like Vito looking the watch, the sundial, when he was, like, escaping the Sopranos. You Soprano fans don't talk about there. She takes matches. I go to the bathroom, and she wants to smoke. Okay. Go ahead, you can smoke. I, you should just open the door. But there's, like, this crazy wind and rain, right? It's snow and all this happy horseshit. She smokes. And I swear, guys, I was not in the bathroom long, okay? I went in the bathroom. I come out. Like, the bed's on fire. I'm, like, putting it out. Like, oh, my God. At this point of the game, I have these options going on, right? Okay, so what do I do? Do I embrace the elements and just leave? Number one. Number two. Do I, like, give her money to leave? Like, could I pay you to get the hell out of my broom closet of a condo? You've mocked me for being bold. You tell me I can't get into law school. You're burning the goddamn bed. You're drinking the Zinfandel and the Zin. Holy shit! What the hell? So I gotta tell you, man, three and a half hours ago, she was like one of the best looking women in the world. Now I'm saying to myself, maybe I'll just jump. I don't know! What do you do? What would you do? You'd care if she was Republican, right? Okay. 
I don't know her political affiliation. Ugh, so... For some reason, she decides to go through my DVD player. Now, back in 2002, I was very pleased with my DVD collection and my CD collection. It was kind of my thing. As you know, DVDs and CDs are like disc that you could throw like a Frisbee. Wait for it. I was very excited that I got the Gary Gilmore Shot in the Heart DVD. And if you know me, I've written a thesis paper on Gary Gilmore. He was the first guy to bring the death penalty back to our country. And she knew something about Gary Gilmore. Now, and this has always been a problem, right? I'm going from, well, yeah, she's crazy, but she must be intelligent. So she starts about Gary Gilmore. If you were Gary Gilmore's lawyer, what would you do? Well, you gotta go to the insanity defense, right? He's not knowingly, intelligently, and voluntarily asking to be shot. So she stands up, opens the door, and she goes, wrong answer! And she flicks my Gary Gilmore DVD out of the cold. It goes flying off the boardwalk. And you're watching it, right? And it's only a matter of a second, but it's like a slow motion thing. Did this crazy woman just throw my DVD player out of my condo? And she took out her CDs and she's flicking them and flying with them. And I'm like, maybe she's drunk. But she would have to tell me, let me be clear with you, B. I am not drunk. I do not like your taste in music. I don't like your taste in movies. And I'm flicking them. Holy shit. Well, <laughs> as you can imagine, this was um somewhat disturbing. Um, Christelle, she tried to, well, didn't try to, but she almost burned the bed, literally. She destroyed many of my CDs. She drank this infidel in the gin. She told me she mocked for being bold and not getting law school. At this point, there's still like 40 hours to go. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, I guess the weirder part is when I went for a walk outside in the elements and she wanted playing cards. I come into the condo. I was only going for a minute. And she's on top of the bed, and she's looking for playing cards. Now, as any child of Atlantic City in the 90s, I had money and casino chips hidden in different parts of the house. That's what we did. We always hid cash somewhere, right? You had to. She starts, like, going through the casino chips, which is money, okay, mind you. Because one of the plans was, when I finally did get into law school, I was going to go cash in one of those casino chips. Well, she's looking for playing cards because she wants to play poker. She's going through it. There's 20. She's banging them out of the way. The casino chips are flying everywhere. Ah, do I call the cops? I can't really do that, right? What do I do here? Eventually, she fell asleep. And she slept for a long time, man. 
I mean, and you don't really know what to do at this point because she's sleeping. Part of you is like, do you call someone to get her out of here? Uh, when she wakes up, it's a condition to get her a cab home. Can you drive her off somewhere? But you also are scared to leave the house. She must burned it down to the ground already. Um, do I start getting cash out of the house? You know, these are all the things going through my mind. And uh, I looked at my LSAT books on the shelf next to some of the DVDs she destroyed and flicked out of the ocean. And I thought to myself, dyslexia or not, god damn it, I gotta get the hell out of here. I mean, the way things were going in Jersey, I was not going to end up with somebody like this. I mean, she was going to be really pretty and nice for a while before she let her psychosis take over. What helped me in this situation, and I thank the Storm of O2, is because I think everybody just said the hell with it. Just let their guards down and go with it. So, yeah. Um, today, she is no longer employed at Tropicana. But, um, does Facebook me sometimes? You ever have one of those situations, and you know what I'm talking about, when you had a horrible experience, and the other person was there, in the same geographic area as you, right? And they look back on it fondly. She Facebooked me a couple of years ago, I didn't respond to it, and she's like, Oh, remember that time, the Storm of O2? Ha ha ha, we had some good times then. Oh my god, are you nuts? Oh, that wasn't good. That was horrible. And I'm somebody who, I've been with some crazy women. I've been on some bad blind dates. I, there's enough shit to fill volumes of dysfunction. This was right up there. I mean, eventually the storm cleared. And I, I played nice with her. And helped get her out of there. And gave her some money for a cab. And changed the locks. <laughs> didn't know she stole a key and uh you know and I'm thinking she's gonna tell people crazy stuff at work I don't know what she's gonna say to them she was telling hey I really got feelings for B he's a great guy he was such a gentleman I, I guess I was a gentleman I didn't I did offer her the wine um whatever food was in the house she ate I, I was really scared that when I when she, the cigarette went on the bed, and, uh, I, anyway, the talk, that was the story of O2, I'm Bill Amadeo. The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. We're going to talk about guidance counselors, when you turned for advice and things went wrong. Talk concerts in New Jersey, and then what if the internet was around in 1990? A couple examples of that. We'll give a shout to Scott Grable there. And I want to say something about Joe Abera. Um, Joe Abera and I have certainly had some beef lately. We're seeing things differently on some crim issues, and I know about the appointment today. And let me just say this. When I put my money behind somebody for judge or for prosecutor or for sheriff, all we want is fairness. 
I don't want somebody to hook me up because I'm their friend, because I do dinner with them. I just want the law applied properly. And I'm sure that's what a lot of people in Shiawassee want. So, as far as fair elections in 2024 and fighting fire with fire, let's do that. I'll drink to that. You see what happened there? Yeah. All right. Good. Oh, man. God. What the hell, man? I swear to God. You know, you, you have a moment of normalcy. And by the way, guys, I am so freaking tired today. I was telling people earlier. I shouldn't go live because people are going to think I'm weird. But we're late for that, aren't we? Cats out of the bag. All right. Let's talk about if the internet was around in 1990. Because I'm sure that's what Shiawassee Radio is going to want to hear about. 1990. September of 1990. I am a freshman in high school. Living in the hood of Atlantic City. Now, we probably couldn't afford the internet. But what I would have done is, like, steal it from, um... You know, somebody else, like, steal their Wi-Fi? In 1990, man, shit would have been weird. In 1990, I believe Scott Grable of Grable & Associates, who is the best all-around criminal lawyer in the state of Michigan. And, Scotty, if you're listening to this, despite your lousy jokes, his jokes suck sometimes, don't they? I mean, what he, some of the shit he says, he answers the phone making funny all the time. But, amazing mentor. Scott, when you take the whole picture, the work ethic, the brilliance, the trial ability, I'd take Scott Grable over anybody. Take him over me based on experience. He's not as hard of a worker as me. We know that. But um, And Scott, thank you so much for covering that Zoom tomorrow. I have to get the adjournment on Zoom done. Scott's an amazing lawyer. He is the best all-around criminal defense lawyer in the state of Michigan. And his firm as a whole is the best criminal defense firm. I'm very happy to be proud of that. But back in the day, Scott drove pizza delivery for Pizza de Roma, I believe. Was that where it was, Scott? Pizza de Roma? And here's this Margate kid. He's like a big brother. He's 10 years older than me. Same high school, same college, same law school, same travel baseball teams. And Scott was a pizza delivery guy despite living in Margate, and Scott told these horrible stories about delivering pizzas to Pitney Village. They used to chase him. He had to run for his life. <laughs> Imagine if Scott had the internet. First of all, when you GPS in the Pitney Village. Okay. The first advice I would give you as somebody who grew up next to Pitney Village is don't deliver pizzas in Pitney Village. What, are you crazy? I mean, damn, Grable had balls. He's delivering... A white kid from Margate delivering pizzas in the hood. Jesus Christ, the 90s. Surprised you made it through, Scott. Thank God. Think about this. If Scott Grable would have got killed in Pitney Village, or his brother would have hired me as a bartender at Grable's, life would be very different, wouldn't it? But if Scott was actually having the internet in 1990, he could use the Waze app. To figure out different ways to get around the gangbangers at Pitney Village. And that made me think, what if I had the internet in 1990? Because in 1990, I was getting my ass kicked, right? You were in class with the Margate and Ventnor kids, and you're going home to Atlantic City, getting roughed up all the time. You learn how to fight. But you know, if you get your ass kicked enough, you can become a decent fighter. Living proof. But I would have, like, checked out where, the, like, the Latin kings were. 
where they checked in on Facebook. Oh shit, they're at the White House sub shop. Let's find another way home. That would have been so fascinating. To me, the internet in 1990 would have been an amazing way to find alternative routes home. It would have helped Scott Grable not almost get killed in Pitney Village. Would have helped me save some fights. So then when I think about the internet in 1990, I'm thinking, holy shit. What if there were different ways home? Ah, the hood. You know, say they take the kid out of the hood, we can't take the hood out of the kid. And during these times of difficulty, one of the things we always learned was, hey, let's go to your guidance counselor for help. Let me tell you stories about the guidance counselors. Hmm. Throughout my life, I have gone to guidance counselors. And I think I'm living proof of a couple things. Number one. They said you had to do good in geometry and algebra to be successful in life. That was bullshit, right? When's the last time an algebraic formula has helped you win a case? No. These counselors were big into that. I want to talk about Carl Smallwood. Mr. Smallwood from Marquette. The Smallwood family was known for being teachers at AC High and lifeguards in Marquette. This was their life. Can you imagine that life right now? You imagine teaching nine months a year and then chilling on the beach for three months as opposed to going to eight quarts a day in the snow. Holy shit. Sometimes I think I did it wrong. If only I just wanted average shit in life. I could have been like a teacher. So senior year, you got to meet Mr. Smallwood. Now keep something in mind, guys. By senior year, my mental stability is not great. If you're getting your ass beat for four years going home to the hood and you evolve into this survivor, whatever the hell they want to call me. Um, I was kicking ass at mock trial, and mock trial was my thing. And I meet with Mr. Smallwood, and Carl Smallwood says to me, what do you want to do with your life, Bill? And I think he had good intentions, right? But this was like an example of how not to listen to people just because they have a position. I told Carl Smallwood I wanted to be a lawyer. You know what he said to me? He says, that's a pipe dream. You will never be a lawyer. You don't have the grades for it. You can't do it. You just can't be a lawyer. In fact, Carl Smallwood said to me in his 4 by 4 little cubby hole at ACI, while he was putting in a hard two hours a day of work, reviewing transcripts and watching high school football, Carl Smallwood said to me, the only chance you have to be successful in life is to be a sports writer. You have to sell yourself to a college that you will be a sports writer. And I always loved journalism, but it was that day that Carl Smallwood motivated me that I have to be a lawyer now, because screw you, Carl yeah. Smallwood, right? Yeah. It's always funny. Scott Grable says to me sometimes, after he was done delivering pizzas for Pizza to Rome and became a big-time criminal lawyer, he says, Donald Trump told you you'd be a great lawyer, and Carl Smallwood said you couldn't make it. We'll just leave it at that. So, Mr. Smallwood, and Greg, your son, who I believe is a teacher, surprise, surprise, and to all those Margate kids that 
told me I couldn't do it. And to the great advice of Carl Smallwood, please look at the scoreboard, sir. Then we had Darlene Lathan. Darlene Lathan was a hardcore woman. She cared about her job. She was a winner. Darlene Lathan told me, and she meant well, I don't know if you could make it as a lawyer, but if you want to try, go for it. Because if you don't make it, nobody's going to be ashamed of you. And I appreciate that. I mean, you know, it. I would have told the kid, hey, you got this. She didn't know. I'm looking at transcripts. I mean, whatever. I look at the advice of Darlene Lathan versus Carl Swan, and they were both wrong, but their journeys to get into the wrong answer were very different. Yeah. You know, two plus two was not four. It was 22 to them somehow, and, you know. And Carl Swole's were, well, I can just put those twos together because of Margate accounts. Miss Lathan would overthink the process. They're both wrong, but I appreciate Miss Lathan. Um, Father Sullivan was like a kind of a mentor, right? Kind of a guidance counselor. I told him what Carl Smallwood said to me. And what did Sullivan say? He's like, well, man, sounds like he knows what he's talking about. And I, and I told Sullivan, do you know how many people have been told they couldn't make it and have proved people wrong? You know what that asshole said to me? You know how many people have been told they can't make it and didn't make it? Sully, listen. I know you're probably burning in hell right now because you touched children and almost got kicked out of the Catholic faith and all that shit. But wherever you are, heaven or hell, as you're drinking your Bloody Mary, smoking your bullshit cigar, scratching your gut, thinking you were better than anybody else, kiss my ass. What an asshole. I mean, he co-signed everything Carl Smallwood said. What the hell, dude? Asshole. Do I end up in Facebook jail for that? Asshole, I'll say it again. Of course, college would present a different set of guidance counselors. And there's two that come to mind. Alan or Curie and Chuck McGeever. One who was clueless, and one who was sexually attracted to me. Eleanor Curie said to me my senior year of college, well, you didn't take the OSAT yet. So, well, I'm coming to you because I have a scheduled meeting. Well, if you don't even know where to go for the meetings, I'm concerned about your well-being. Eleanor Curie was like one of these um weird, like, 60 rejects. You know, like, he would be the guy who you called up and said, Hey, Mr. Akuri, can I be in your statistics class? No, there's 30 people and I can't take the pressure of any more. Like, some of these academics, my God, they've never worked a day in their life. And here was Alan Akuri. Chuck McGeever was a whole different thing. And look, dude, I missed the signs with Chuck. I would go in for a counseling session with Chuck. And I would say, Hey, Chuck. What do you think about law school? And he would ask me how I thought. Was my shirt looking nice today, Bill? Yeah, he was. I missed the signs. Because I'll tell you how clueless I was in college. I used to go to Chuck McGeever for help with women. I used to say, hey, Chuck, 
I like this girl. What do you think? And he would badmouth the girl. Oh, she's a horrible person. You need to stay away from her. Well, he was, you know, trying to not get me to go with the girl. It was very interesting. Um, he told, he used to tell me this. Chuck McGeever used to say, I see unlimited potential in you. We should go out for a drink, go back to my apartment, discuss it further. <laughs> oh no! Went right over the head. And then Patricia Wilson at Cooley Law. <clears throat> You've heard me talk about her before. You gonna do the Nelson Denny test? I swear to God. Cooley had some real morons in charge of young minds. Patricia Wilson used to tell me. You're not Cooley material. Because the New Jersey educational system isn't quite up to the Michigan standards. And because of such, you'll never make it at Cooley. You're not Cooley material. You're right, Patty. I wasn't Cooley material. I was D1 material. Not a tier 4 school. But I, I do appreciate that Cooley gave me my chance. And I'm going to tell you. Patty Wilson, Dr. Wilson, whatever you were a doctor in, whatever... She wasn't a lawyer. She used to brag about, um, you know, she used to brag about how I'm not a lawyer, but I know talents of lawyers. I owe Patricia Wilson so much. I'll tell you why. I always loved proving people wrong. But this particular counselor, I thought to myself, my God, if I do not blow up and be successful, Am I going to date women like Patricia Wilson down the line? That would have been horrible. This woman was as unattractive as she was stupid. She had this horrible haircut. She looked like a reject middle linebacker from minor league football team. Sitting there telling people what they can do and can't do. Hey, Patty. Google me. Um, and that was my feeling on guidance. Can you want to add anything here? No, okay, good. It's good. So, the last thing tonight, and I'm pretty sure people are convinced I'm out of my mind right now. Right? No. I mean, or they haven't been already. No. Jesus. Um, okay. Concerts in New Jersey. That's a perfect transition. Yeah. We go from, could the internet have saved you from an ass beating, to bad advice from people in charge, to let's talk about concerts as a child. Yeah, right. I've had some really bad experiences at concerts. Um, <sighs> I remember a friend of mine, won't mention his name, nice guy. He got tickets to Taking Back Sunday. I love Taking Back Sunday. And they had this song out called Your Own Disaster. When they did this live, holy shit, it was on point. One of my favorite bands of all time. And he offers me these tickets. And I was like, wow. He was dating this girl at the time. Beautiful girl. They had some drama though, right? And I don't really keep up with his relationship. He's calls me up, hey B. You always just take me to baseball games. How about I take you to Taking Back Sunday? I'm like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, I want to go to Taking Back Sunday. TBS, all day. And if you were a Jersey kid back in the 90s, Taking Back Sunday, brand new, My Chemical Romance, before they were huge, 
when you sold them, you knew they were on the verge of greatness, right? You just knew. So I'm really excited about going to Taking Back Sunday. Now, understand something. Before GPS, when I drove somewhere, number one, I always got lost. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> and, uh, but I didn't drink. I never drank. And I often drove with people who were drinking. Like, I'm the driver and they're getting sloshed. And we had like an hour trip, right, to this concert. And I'm just sitting there, and he is brown-bagging it, right? He's throwing back shots, and he's crying in the car. And I'm like, hey, I can't wait for them to play set phasers to stun. And he's crying about this girl. Oh, she broke up with me. I'm like, oh, man, that sucks. But it was like a therapy session. Like, the whole reason he invited me was for two reasons. One, he needs somebody to talk to, which is fine. I'm always cool with that. Two... She was going with her new boyfriend to this Taking Back Sunday concert. So I'm all excited to hear TBS. He's just looking for a confrontation. And he's getting his beer muscles. Because this guy, he was not tough. But when he got liquor in him, he assumed he was a badass, right? You know what I'm talking about. So I'm sitting there. He puked twice on the way to the concert. And I'm like, are you okay? Like, what do we do here? So he finally confesses as we're in line that he wanted me there in case there was a confrontation with the girl's new boyfriend because he was going to approach. Now, here's the intellectual of me, right? I'm thinking to myself, so you're going to start an altercation at a public event while you're intoxicated. This is not good. I talk him off it. Because her new boyfriend didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he don't know the situation. But this poor guy, his feelings are hurt, so he's going in. And I remember, we're outside. He's crying. He's drunk. I'm trying to just get into the concert. We go into the concert. I'm enjoying myself. He keeps whispering in my ear. I think they're kissing each other. Well, they're at a concert together. I imagine there's going to be some kind of physical affection. He almost killed the concert for me. As we are leaving the concert, he decides he's going to take a leak. So he goes to the bushes to take a leak. And there's a cop there. And in Jersey at the time, if you got caught with a public urination ticket, there were ways to get you on the sex registry. Sounds crazy, right? They're saying he exposed himself. So there's this young cop who writes him up this ticket. And I'm thinking, like a lawyer right now, I'm not a lawyer yet, I'm like, oh shit, I gotta help my friend out here. So I convinced the cop that he only went to the bathroom in public because he was depressed over his girlfriend, he was drunk, and he lost this girl of his dreams, and thanks to me, he stayed off the sex registry in New Jersey. I worked the magic that day. Then they got married. And ironically, had a Taking Back Sunday cover band at their wedding. I can't make this shit up, man. I swear to God. That's really... It's weird, but... Okay. I'm not going to comment on their marriage, but...
he would have been better off just enjoying the concert and being going out with somebody else. Then there were local bands in Jersey. One of the local bands was Bugsy. Bugsy had the song Pizza in 1997 that blew up. It just blew up. Um, you can't find it on Spotify, but you can check it out on YouTube. And this one song, it just, it tore the world apart, man. For a minute, it flew up the charts. And these were these local guys who came out of nowhere, right? Well, I took this girl I was dating to a Bugsy concert before Bugsy was Bugsy. But I will tell you this. Before they were big time... They were getting good-looking girls in New Jersey. And one of the members of Bugsy stole the girl I took to the concert that night. And it was interesting. He did me a huge favor. I mean, but, I mean, I remember, I'm so excited to go to the concert with her. And she left me for one of the guys in the band. And, um, it was an interesting Jersey story. The last concert we'll touch on tonight, as we end this series of Dysfunction... Trump Marina, early 2000s, Vertical Horizon, and Sister Hazel. I've told about this one before. Vertical Horizon had the song Everything You Want, and this song blew up the charts. You've heard the song before, and it's about a guy who's stuck in a friend zone for life. And um, the band was amazing, and I went with a girl I met online. Before all this Tinder stuff and all, it was AOL profiles. That's how you met people, right? And I took this girl to this concert. I'm all excited. This concert's huge. And she almost wrecked it for me because she just broke up with her boyfriend. And when Everything You Want comes on, she told me how she was going to go to the concert with her ex-boyfriend. She's crying her eyes out. And then Champagne High by Sister Hazel was on before that. And Champagne High is about a guy, you've heard me talk about Champagne High before, but let me tell you. Champagne High, and I will post your own disaster, everything you want in Champagne High later. I'll copy and paste it from YouTube. Champagne High is about a guy going to his dream girl's wedding. And for some reason, he shows up at her wedding after they broke up. And listen to the lyrics of the song. Like, holy shit. And between Champagne High and everything you want, this poor girl's sitting there with her absolute pineapple, throwing it back, crying her eyes out. Totally wrecked the concert for me. I mean, the songs were great because eventually, I mean, I hate to say it, I, mean, I tuned her out and I focused on the music because she wanted a therapy session. She was like, oh, and then he broke up with me and oh, this song. I'm like, okay, shh, trying to hear. Alright, Claire, we had this talk. And now that it's on the internet, there's no turning back now. Woo! I am Bill Amadeo. I completely approve this message. Have a good night. 
The proceeding was a paid presentation by McManus and Amadeo PLLC. Listeners of this program should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No listener should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information within this program without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Listening to this program using any associated website or related links or resources does not create an attorney-client relationship between the listener and host, contributors, or contributing law firms. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this program are hereby expressly disclaimed. You and your loved ones deserve a criminal defense firm that believes that your life and freedom are worth fighting for. Matt McManus, Bill Amadeo, and the McManus and Amadeo team of attorneys, investigators, and case managers will take the lead with a vast knowledge and legal experience across the state of Michigan to get the best possible result for you. Learn more at McManusAmadeo.com. Schedule a free consultation 24-7 by calling 800-392-7311.